you know, I was thinking about, you know, like, you know, join us for Trevor, who's an expert on tech in the construction industry. And I was kind of laughing of like, man, you have to be a pretty special person to be a uh, expert in technology and construction. It's like, you, you know, if you were an expert last week, you're in the dark this week. It's true. Yeah. And, uh, and then you know how that just puts an emphasis on this idea of putting a value on tech. Mm-hmm. What is that value? And we do try to communicate an image or, or an impression that we're all just sitting down for coffee. Uh, and and it is, it's not intended to be super buttoned up. Uh, it's, so you have two buttons down, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, right, that's the right set. Yeah. We need to loosen one here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the disposition in being comfortable with not being the expert, not being perfect. And I think that there is something to be said about that on the tech front, that the second that you settle in as being the expert and and getting comfortable in that place, you're done. Yeah, you're done. You just got left behind. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 65. Yeah, and we're talking with Trevor Lund from GLY. So Trevor, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do for GLY. Yeah, so my name's Trevor Lundy. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Lundy. I, I think We've it's been, been saying it wrong year. all this time. We're so sorry, Trevor. Oh, I get Lund and Lunday and Lundy <laughs> and everything, so it's all good. <laughs> we get Sturgeron, which is Sturgeron, weird. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Lundy. Lundy. So I'm a design manager at GLY, and uh, my education is all in architecture, and spent about 10, 15 years in commercial architecture before coming over to GLY. When did you join GLY? Um, 2011. Okay. So I'm coming up on that 10-year mark, and um, that was really just a, you know, a great push and conversation from a superintendent that I worked with for about two years, five days a week, who. We said, hey, you know, there's there's some value with you doing the role that you do here out on site. And GOY kind of saw that as an opportunity and wanted me as kind of a voice at the table to speak kind of the design side. And and um, it was a role as a design manager to come in and let's just see what we can do and what we can create. Mm-hmm. And you know, 10 years later, here we are. Yeah, time flies. Oh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. Well, and, and that was non-pandemic years, too. Yeah, so it really did fly. But uh, so we're we're here talking today about technology and construction, and uh, there's so much of it, and we do want to to put a handful of uh, questions to you by the time we get done here today. Um, but what are your initial thoughts? What what uh, what are your general feelings on tech in construction? Uh, you know, it's it's that balance of just a hundred percent bombardment. <laughs> and also being absolutely an exciting time Mm -hmm. in our industry. I Mm -hmm. mean, um, there's a lot changing and it's constantly changing and and there's just new ideas and new partners coming on the scene at all times. And, and so, um, you know, for us, it's, it's always that evaluation of kind of where's the value and, and how do we maintain that, that human touch and human side to everything that, that we do technology wise. Awesome. So, you know, it makes for a very exciting conversation. So we're, we're having a uh, technical, so we, we have a comment that someone is having trouble hearing you. Uh, are you able to turn your mic up at all, Trevor? We can hear you fine from where we are. I'm not sure. Let me take a look at my end. We're obviously, or anyone who's paying attention. So speaking about technology, uh, live streaming is new for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're still learning how to do it. So thank you for the, the input. And we're going to do the best we can to make this work. So we made a, a few tweaks, stretch yeah. break. I'm showing my microphone is sitting good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's your mic, but 
I again, I'm working with several new tools here, and I'm trying to make sure everything does what it should. All right. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the best that we can here. Hold on. <laughs> there we go. So let's try that as well. Uh, so apologies if audio isn't what it could be, uh, but we will get it figured out and uh, and put out the, the full cut at the end of this. And yeah, then... and I'm also recording from our, can you see these, our trusty mics. So if the audio in the live stream, if you can't quite hear it, mm -hmm. uh, if you come and listen to the podcast after the fact, yeah. then that should hopefully be better. So in terms of construction technology, I think one of the challenges about it specifically is that many times you're you're vetting it you're you're learning it you're you're sometimes helping to develop it while you're actually working on a given project so what does that look like when when you hear that hey yeah. we're rolling out a new piece of tech on this project yeah and, and kind of like i was saying you know the the two main points i think are always about value and and the human touch of the tech and and you know when we first look at value i think it has to do a lot with just what is the value and to who, you know, answering really simple questions. And, you know, one of the first things I'm always looking at is, you know, I like to say, um, is this a solution that someone's created in search of a problem? Because that's not really helping us, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we're looking for a technology that serves to replace three or four traditional steps with one new one, mm -hmm. not just add in addition to what we're already doing. Right. And, and then, you know, there's the cool factor, right? Mm -hmm. We all love the cool factor, and the cool factor is definitely a piece of tech, but the cool factor gets us in the door and starting the conversation. Mm -hmm. The cool factor isn't really what we're trying to, like, sell to the project. Right. So it comes back to that. What is our value? And, 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 and to whom is that value there for? Right. And the other big piece that we always like to talk about is the human touch. Mm -hmm. And... When we're talking about that, it, it's kind of this idea that, you know, ultimately it's kind of my observation that technology really is pushing and driving us to work more collaboratively. Mm -hmm. and, and collaborative seems to be the new buzzword that, you know, you're slowly growing tired of. Well, and there, there are a lot of words that, that just kind of have buzz, but they're, sure. but they're two-dimensional. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and so, you know, if we're adopting new softwares yeah. or hardware, just new technology platforms, right? Mm -hmm. There are lots of platforms on the market right now that bring us all together in the common data environments, the digital twins. But if we as a team, you know, back to the human side, mm -hmm. if we as a team can't work a little more, you know, together, be a little more trustworthy, understand one another's pain points, be a little more flexible, then really what good is all this tech and all these platforms that come together? You know, we need to be able to take not just data, but mm -hmm. good information that's coming from the data. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to share it with one another. And, and we need to be able to use it collaboratively, right? For mm -hmm. a common purpose and a, and a better good for what it is we're all trying to achieve. Right. So what is the, what is the process uh, that GLY uses to vet technology? Yeah, so I would admit that we are um, we're pretty cautious when it comes to being a first adopter. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that we don't. Um, there's some things that it's important to jump on and, and to see where we go. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, one, we want to have a test case. We want real world application. We don't want to spend too much time talking about it and and going through discovery. We want to really put it right into practice in the field. Mm -hmm. What do we get? And um, if we're going to fail, that's fine. That's part of the process. Not everything's going to be a winner right off the bat, mm -hmm. but we want to fail quickly. And then we want to uh, we want to take the value. Where was the value in that failure? And we want to be able to apply it moving forward. Um, you know, as we start to evaluate new things. Well, I think an inter interesting part about technology and construction is that you could you can look at construction projects almost like startup businesses that they they start almost from nothing and then they finish and there's a full life cycle that you go through where it's almost like this perfect incubator scenario where absolutely it many businesses if you start using it uh, using a new tech there is no end to it it just goes on forever but there's a finite end when a project comes to a close oh sure and every project's different 
every project team's different. All of the players and partners are different. The pain points are different. So as you said, I mean, it's, it's the perfect space to bring new ideas into play and test them out. And the other thing that's really important is, you know, just because something doesn't work right off the bat, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's, it's, we just kind of push it to the side and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think some of the most ambitious, ambitious things that we see today aren't all that successful, but man, they're going to drive everything in the future, yeah. right? I mean, this, the idea, I mean, digital transformation is not a new idea, but it's starting to find itself into the built environment mm-hmm. and how that plays itself into AR. Uh, you, you know, these are things that I think, I'm, I dare to say, are a little bit clunky today. Mm-hmm. But man, oh man, it's going to drive everything in the future. So uh, what what does the process look like for, for GLY if you're using a new piece of tech, new piece of software? What steps do you take to make sure that your subcontractor or design teams are on board with your initiative? Yeah, yeah. Communication always. Mm-hmm. Transparency. Um, you know, even when we bring something new on, we're, we're struggling with it, right? We're trying to understand. So the more that we can just communicate and be open with all of our partners and, and have them understand that, hey, we're struggling a bit through this, just the same as you are. So let's come together and, you know, let's just kind of be open with one another. And mm-hmm. I need you to help me understand where where you're struggling. And, and I want to, I wanna, you know, vice versa, I want you to understand what I'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. and why we're doing this. Well, and I think the, the term that you keep going back to, and I think even before we started the live stream, was that of collaboration. The idea that that, that collaborative effort is kind of paramount. I had a, a chat with a, a guy, he's a, a, in the construction development side, and he said his favorite projects are the projects where it's hard to tell who works for whom. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, but that's a culture that doesn't happen by itself, and this is kind of the human element. Um, but I, I think that what, what role do you think chartering has in technology or using a new new tech approach on a project, the, the idea of chartering and, and teaming? I, I think it's extremely important. It, it's almost, you know, you might argue it's the most important because if you can't come together as a team and understand one another mm-hmm. and really lay out what it is you're trying to achieve and, and most importantly, why. Mm-hmm. Um, then you don't really have that foundation to start growing and working from. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think a lot of it starts with that teaming charter mm-hmm. and, and understand, you know, we're all here really for the same purpose. I mean, we're all trying to push this project out for an owner and we all want to look good and we want the project to be successful. And, mm-hmm. and so I think it's, you know, just understanding one another, you know, what's it like to live and the person sitting across from me at the table, what's it like in their shoes? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we just, we've got to be open, we've got to be trustworthy. So in, in our one of our, our courses that we offer, it's called Project Bootcamp, and we run an exercise where the teams have to move balls across the room as fast as they can. And bad things happen when they drop balls. Uh, and, and then the teams quickly learn that it's important to come up with a plan for what it is that we do when we, when we drop the ball because we always drop balls in whatever it is that we're doing. And I think when we're, when we're developing new technology, it's important that we develop that plan, right? We, we run that plan. This is the fire drill plan. When something goes wrong with tech, with communication, uh, this, these are the steps that we're going to go through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, accountability, mm-hmm. you know, we need to, we need to have milestones. Mm-hmm where we can back check ourselves and hold ourselves accountable. And it's kind of back to that idea of, you know, you can't just tackle the whole the whole problem all at once, right? We need to be able to break it up into manageable pieces mm-hmm. and, and pieces that we can be successful at along the way. And then we need to be able to measure our success and hold ourselves accountable and I be able to identify, hey, are we falling behind? Or, or even, you know, it's not always negative, you know, are, are we achieving, are we doing great? And why? How do we apply that elsewhere? So I know that many, many of the subcontractors that, that you work with, they are uh, more progressive on the tech side, especially in the MEP trades. Uh, but occasionally, I'm sure you work with, with subcontractors who are lower on, on the technology uh, capability. So do you have any advice or thoughts about how you should go about 
getting those folks on board with you for for your tech? Yeah, it, it you know sound like a broken record, and I apologize, but it, it really is that communication piece. You know, when we have folks that might not be um, as technically savvy, or you know, we try to understand why. And, and a lot of times, what I observe and what I hear is, well, that's not really required in what I do. And it's like, well, maybe not from your standpoint. Mm-hmm. However, for myself or a group of 10 people that really want to see what it is you're doing in a coordination scenario or a QC scenario, it is important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, just trying to you know, let people know, well, hey, maybe not from your space, but from my space, it is important. And so what do we do to help you get involved? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that can be on the level of, hey, we're going to write it into your contract, so let's make sure that you have yourself covered for this sort of technology. Yep. Well, I won't know what to do with it once I get it. We will help you get there. Yeah. Because in order for us to be successful, we need you to be successful. We'll do it together. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that, that pushes the idea forward that, adding the personal touch to building the relationship, even if that means that you sit down with those folks and give them a little primer on how to use the software, it can be a night and day difference in terms of the level of buy-in that you get on any given initiative. And I've been on that side of it plenty of times too, where I have to raise my hand and say, hey, you know, I need a little bit of help over here. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we were joking about, I'm not an expert on this. You know, maybe I was an expert last week, but I'm in the dark this week. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and I think there's a lot to be said for that because often people feel like, well, I don't want to admit I don't know how to use this tech mm-hmm. because then I'll look like I don't know how to do my trade. And I think understanding that, you know, we're all patient with everybody kind of getting a handle on tech mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's always, you know, it's just a great conversation piece. And it's the idea that, hey, you, you haven't been doing any of this up to this point. Mm-hmm. Well, we're the same. Everyone's the same. You know, it doesn't happen until it happens. Yeah. But, you know, let's get through the struggle of getting this as part of your process on this go round. Mm-hmm. And on the next go round, you're already there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and we've grown closer and we know that you now are growing your capabilities. And, and I've actually seen quite a few people respond really positively to that in the upfront. Mm-hmm. And then even more so, you know, once we're down the road and they mm-hmm. start to see like, oh, okay, now I'm seeing this and I'm seeing the value there and I understand. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I think you, you've mentioned before in our conversations about how sometimes technology is very ambitious and sometimes overconfident in what it can do for you. Sure. Uh, do you have any thoughts in, in how to handle uh, ambitious programs, over ambitious tech? How do, you, how do you balance that? Because construction does tend to be a pretty conservative industry from a, from a risk, risk-taking standpoint, right? When, when you take risks in construction that are out of control, then buildings fall down. That's sure. not a good situation, but, but meshing that with new technology, how do, you, how do you manage that process? Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's usually when the cool factor is just that huge wow, and you're dealing with a lot more salespeople than you are technical people. Mm-hmm. Um, That's such a good or, point. Yeah, and then you know, I think we were talking about this earlier, where it's a whole lot about how this is going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be able to take this and that, and you're going to be able to be really more efficient in this and that. And okay, well, let's stop and let's define this and that at mm-hmm. each one of those steps, and, and verify <laughs> we actually want to be better at this and that. Does it matter exactly. to us? Exactly. Exactly, and, and that's where it's kind of like. You know, big ambitious technology sometimes is a little ambiguous, and it's like, well, hold on, let's stop. You know, let's get back to like, what is the value here, and to whom, and and why are we going to do this? Is this, is this going to eliminate three or four traditional steps and replace it with one new one? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's <laughs> it's always kind of that thing. You don't want to ignore it. You, you want to give it a little bit of attention, mm-hmm. but you've got to be cautious. Um, and, and then there's the price points of things too, you know, I mean, gosh, I, I've been hearing all about this great idea of the drones that fly the laser scans and, you know, they just go and do that every night and they come back and you come in the next morning and you've got your shot and, or you've got a drone that hits something and is laying on the floor. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
hey, we're just, you know, the tech is getting smaller and more efficient. So instead of, you know, a crew running around with a $60,000 laser scanner, you now have 40 little laser scanners around the site and they kind of just flash the site here and there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't have $400,000 for 40 little laser scanners. Right, right. <laughs> but I think it's a good point that you do want to kind of keep your eye on that technology because, you know, drones came out and my son was like, oh, I have to have a drone. And we were like, $800? No. And then it was right. like, $200? Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then my mom sent him one that was like this big, that was like fifteen ninety nine in the store that he could fly. And I think, yeah. you know, obviously you're not going to put a construction laser on that thing, but the same thing will have is happening in construction so that the moment will come when it becomes worth the amount of money. And if you were kind of just open-handedly paying attention, then that gets easier to be early on that on that train. Yes. So the, the point that you brought up earlier, though, about uh, trying to, to verify what this product does uh, is super important. Uh, we, we actually pretty commonly will help companies vet software where they want their construction outfits, they want new tech, and then we'll sit down and, and play with it. We'll talk with the engineering uh, division of that company and ask them construction-based questions to make sure that, that we're actually solving problems, that, that what the salesman is saying, they usually don't have any understanding of the product itself. Well, and they in, just know that they want to sell it. In construction, I think a lot of us are really familiar with the idea that the salesperson doesn't always completely understand the actual technical ability. You know, mm-hmm. So many times we've been in where the people in the field are like, the salespeople have to stop telling people we can build that thing like that because <laughs> we can't quite build that thing like that and it causes problems. Yeah. And I think everybody in construction is familiar with that. And the truth is that software does the same thing. The salespeople often don't really understand anything about the true capabilities mm-hmm. of the software. They just have talking points. But the, the salespeople then are managing, trying to sell, which is their job, There is the use case or understanding how the software works, and then there's understanding the needs of construction. So the Venn diagram for those things are are pretty difficult to to line up. Uh, Sure, sure. I I remember when I was in architecture, you know, and you'd have a lunch and learn with a new product, and it's like, well, is the sales guy coming or is the technical guy coming? Right. that kind of really tells me if I'm coming, if I'm paying attention or not. <laughs> yeah, but I think a challenge in software is the truth is if we send some of the more technical construction guys out to talk to people, that can go well if they're the right people because they yeah. can explain what they can do, and that's great. Yeah. In software, often the people who are the best at building the software are the least good at explaining anything to anyone, and so then this gets messy too. Like if yeah. you talk to the actual engineer, they almost don't speak English. Yeah, and the best partners that we've worked with, because typically there's a hardware and a software component, yep. right? Unless we're talking about some sort of platform. The best partners that we have always worked with, one, <clears throat> on the hardware side, they, they, they want our feedback. You, you know, hey, is this doing what, it, what we said it would do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what can we do better? How does this actually fit out in, logistically within the site? And then also on the software side, you know, just, just little things like, hey, this is a really pretty picture this thing's generating, but it's really, it doesn't give us any value. Yep. But if you were to take that, that heat map and actually turn that into some numbers mm-hmm. that we can see, you know, now that works for us. And, and so the best companies we work with are always wide open to any and, any and all suggestions and, and quick turnaround, right? It's not a, mm-hmm. oh, well, we'll put that down and we'll put it in there for consideration. It's an immediate thing that we have within a couple of days, and, and and they're like, you know, they're really excited. You know, is that working? Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. And, well, so and from a software development standpoint, that is super valuable. Where if they get real time informed feedback on their product, you're basically doing part of their job for them. It, absolutely. Yeah, right? well, I think that's a really good point because not only are companies that are really open to that feedback, they're just better to work with because they're open to feedback, but they're actually interested in building the best possible product, which means you're going to get better products out mm-hmm. of those companies in the long run. Whereas the ones who don't want to hear your feedback, mm-hmm. they're going to have the worst product. So we previously talked about uh, tech that is overambitious or maybe is not quite there yet. I would put AR into that category because it's super sexy to talk about. People love oh, yeah. talking about AR and VR. On the video... 
the, the kind of video ads they put out about what it can do look mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Like from the marketing from the marketing company, uh, they're doing a great job of marketing. Great it. job. Uh, but yeah. what are your thoughts about where V uh, where AR is right now, augmented reality, and and where it may be going in the future? And and a little about yeah. what it is because mm-hmm. some people listening might not know. Yeah. So. I think we've, gosh, now, what's it called now? XR? <laughs> yeah. We have the VR, the yeah. virtual reality, where we're in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And then we have the AR, where it's an augmented virtual overlay mm-hmm. into reality. So this is like where you can walk through a job site and see where walls should be placed. That's correct. Right. It, or, or, you know, like they talk about it in retail, where you're walking down the sidewalk and you identify a pair of jeans that someone has on and you like them and you can immediately know what they are and where to get them and they can just order it for you right then and there as you walk by. So and to see what you will look like in them, right? <laughs> That's right, right. Um, so XR. And so, yeah, and so then, you know, the whole VR, AR turned into XR, I believe. What, <laughs> is, that, what is XR? I think the idea behind XR was to capture the idea of VR and AR all together. It's just... It's just one big conversations. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> we'll have to look that up. It's okay. We're okay with being wrong. Uh, you know, I, I love AR because to me, that's that is just the potential is it, just incredible. Um, right now, um, gosh, I'm not going to put on that headset and go walk around. Um, it, you know, it's the hardware is kind of clunky. I, I have yet to see a one button, put everything to the glasses, make it nice and easy for mm-hmm. me to go out there and evaluate something. Um, gosh, what, what's going to happen the first time someone trips on site because they've got a headset yeah. on, you know? So there's there's logistical real world things that have to be solved. Mm-hmm. I mean, it needs to be a pair of glasses, right? And mm-hmm. I need to have clear field of vision. You know, safety is paramount. Yeah, and be able to see the holes in the floor. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's some lag in that, too, in the sense that I, when we were talking about playing with them in our foreman program, I said, what I want to do is see if we can get the drawings for our building Mm -hmm. so that you could put the glasses on and actually in our our space Mm -hmm. and you could actually see what's behind the walls. Wouldn't that be cool? And Jason just laughed at me and he was like, that those drawings don't exist at this point in time. Not for this building. No one really captured the information that clearly before because there was no reason to do it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that we have to kind of wait for things to be built in a way, I mean, so new construction is different, obviously, but we have to wait for things to be built in such a way that these tools can actually be used. Mm -hmm. Well, and and so, and here's, we get into this, you know, this, have we tested AR out and and have we used it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Am I gonna say that we're efficiently and actively using it across every job as a, you know, it's a workflow and a process across company? No. Mm But are we going to get there? Of course. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, again, AR, we're overlaying this augmentation, virtual augmentation onto reality. And in order for that to be successful, it has to be exact, right? The geolocation has to be exact. We're in construction within a foot is laughable. That doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for some, for, for some contractors, that might be good enough. I'm not going <laughs> to name names, Trevor. <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> but, but, you know, even a conversation of, well, it's within inches isn't all that, there's not a lot of confidence there, especially when you're talking about a wall that's only inches yeah. or you a rebar placement that's only inches. You and, need like nanometers. You know, I can't afford for embeds to be off by an inch. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what we've seen is it's actually the potential is there where we can actually go out there, stand on an open deck ahead of a floor, mm-hmm. and, and see the overlay of the model with all the embeds and important pieces that we need to back check laid out on the deck in AR. Mm-hmm. And and it's not 100%, but we're able to do that. And, and if we're able to do that today, mm-hmm. I, you know, just imagine what it's going to be 5, 10, 20 down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and my biggest thing where, where I start to get really excited is this idea of digital transformation in the built world, right? In our, in our built environment. We are a culture, a society of our devices. Um, you know, what do I do every morning? I know exactly what route I'm taking. I know what the weather is. And, and once we get more devices kind of in our buildings, it's only gonna inform us that much more, right? Now I, 
know exactly what route to take. Say I'm going to a campus, I know what entrance to go into. It tells me which garage to go to, which entrance to the garage, what parking level, what end of the parking level. Uh, if I'm coming right in there to the north entry, it knows that I get a coffee and then mm -hmm. it knows the coffee machine says, hey, you just got your coffee. We better set your office up because you're five minutes away. And, and so this is real. You know, we see yeah. this today. Yep. You can imagine down the road how prevalent it starts to become and how that starts to play into an AR world, mm -hmm. right? So Where, for, for you working with AR, uh, do you are, are you doing that 100% in-house or are there companies yeah. that you work with to, to bring that on? Uh, no, I think that's in-house. I mean, so we have our own R&D division mm -hmm. here at GLY, and, and and that's kind of, you know, they have free run, um, you know, within reason to, to well, they, explore. Well, they have a budget. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's really funny because, you know, we I, I work hand-in-hand -hand with, with our um, research and development group, and it's kind of like this this fun relationship of like, okay, you're going to bet the cool factor and then you're going to prove that there's value there and there's enough value that I'm going to bring it out into the application side and we're going to implement it and see what we get. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what's neat about that is, you know, back to this kind of this idea of AR and its potential is, you know, we don't want to lose sight of these sorts of things, whether it be drones, scans, photogrammetry, um, AR, because in my opinion, AR is going to be your your platform, right? That that is that platform that you take around with you everywhere, and drone info, and photogrammetry, and scans, and models, and drawings, and everything is floating into that AR platform, so it's there for you in real life. So well, I think this is a really good point that we've actually been starting to talk about this a little at Arcade that. There's this idea, you know, so to see a CEO, even in a very small construction company, absolutely, we have, we need to execute things. We have a CEO. To see a CFO, yep, somebody needs to take care of the accounting. But we almost never see a CTO or a CIO. We almost never see a chief technology officer. We almost never see research and development. Uh, and I think that we often think, well, we're in construction. We don't need to worry about all that tech stuff. And I think it's important to realize, obviously, not everybody's big enough to have a whole R&D division, mm -hmm. but having that R&D role, having that someone to, to watch what's new on the market, to evaluate whether or not it's worth it for us, and then to actually make a plan to try to roll it out. Because often, too, we'll see small companies where the owner sees something cool, and it has the cool factor, and he says, hey, guys, do that. Make that happen, right? And often no one really vetted it. They just, it looked cool to the owner, and now they just start trying to do it. But there's nobody to actually strategize about how is this going to work for us. So when, I think there's a lot of value So there. when you, you think about the place that the construction industry has in the world, it's one of the most regressive. It's one of the most conservative, one of the most risk-averse. Resistant it's to change. One of the most resistant to change, last to the table of technology. That also means... And we, we could go around about that one for days, Trevor. I'd love to. But that, that's my position. But, yep. but Well, that's what makes that, JLY superheroes. Yes. But, but that also means that we have the greatest room for improvement. We have the, the huge amount of ground that we can cover. And I think the point that you make about having an R&D division, that is a fantastic point. Because you don't have to have an R&D division, but having an R&D budget is super important for paying attention to what's happening yes. in the market. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, every company out there, there's someone who has a passion for this. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so to be able to find that individual and and then to fuel them, to like bring that passion to work. And Adam Sisler, he, he's our guy that runs all of our R&D here. Mm -hmm. and this guy has a passion for it. Yep. He has passion for it outside of work. And, and now his, his passion in life is now married with his profession. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll tell you what, that's a pretty powerful thing right there because Absolutely. you get nothing but success. Mm -hmm. Whether it's ups and downs or failures or successes, that ultimately is all successful. Yeah. Well, it's important. Like I think success. just understanding as a company that, that rolling out new tech is only part of it. You really have to strategize about how you're going to roll it out. You mm -hmm. have to make sure everybody knows how to use it. There's, you have to make there's sure some marketing and building buy-in and building interest. You have to make sure you're using it intentionally as opposed to just saying, well, let's just throw this in and tell everybody we're using it now.
Well, one of the biggest hurdles, I think, when we roll out something new, whether it's a software or a, or a hardware or a, just a piece of tech, is that the individual rolling it out inherently is just they are the expert. No one else is. It's new. Mm -hmm. And so that individual can't be the expert and the only expert across the company constantly rolling things out. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, there is a training component. There is an adoption component. And, and it gets back to the value, right? Because if no one's finding the value there, then, you know, there's, gonna, there's not going to be that push for mm -hmm. adoption and training and, and kind of that universal acceptance. Mm -hmm. So we had talked earlier about drones and drone technology. In, in construction and the role that it plays. And I think in many cases, a lot of the services that are out there just kind of make more work for us. So we get more information, but they're not necessarily deleting steps or simplifying steps. They're, they're, we're getting more information, but it's making everything way more complex. And site photos yeah. is a big one. So what are your thoughts or, or what are, what's some piece of advice that you could share about how we could actually combine those things to make fewer steps to get more out of that sort of technology sure sure um gosh it, you know it to me it's just kind of how do you say it, it interconnectability mm -hmm. you know different things different platforms different softwares ability to talk holistically to one another mm -hmm. Um, you know, like with the idea of the drones, we see a lot of stuff out there where it's, hey, drones are now the new thing. Mm -hmm. And so we want to come out there and we will fly drones for you and we will gather data. Okay. And then we have a platform, gee, thanks, yet another platform. Mm -hmm. So now I've got 15 platforms <laughs> on this one project. And... And then you're going to use this data weekly to be more efficient. And it's, oh man, I, what is the data you're gathering? And, and tell me more about this efficiency. Like, you know, it's almost kind of like everyone's just kind of sailing around at 10,000 square feet trying to like wait for someone to say a nugget and then grab onto it. And like, that's the efficiency we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and so when, when I ran construction projects, we would take photos of everything. And, yes. and save them all and archive them all and date them and, and try to do the best that we could to organize everything. Sure. And you had brought up before we started talking the, the concept of geolocation. Uh, yes. And, and, and how that, metadata. And metadata and how that yes. plugs in. So uh, what, what are you seeing or what are you aware of in terms of that sort of technology? Yeah. So back to the idea of, you know, one piece of tech feeding the rest of the tech. Mm -hmm. um, you know, geolocation is just it's such an incredible thing because it allows us to pinpoint, right? And all of our models in one form or another, whether it's a local coordinate system or a state plane coordinate system, all of our design models, uh, construction coordination models, everything's geolocated mm -hmm. in the real world in, in a very accurate manner. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I'm out there with this, mm -hmm. taking photos, or there are 10 people out there taking hundreds of photos a day across mm -hmm. two years, we end up with tens of thousands of photos. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we don't have a resource to name a folder and name each and every 10,000 photos. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we can have like a photo that's geolocated and has some information to it, right? So, you know, back to this idea of AR, if I'm out there with AR and the glasses hear me say, I'm out there researching RFI 510. Mm -hmm. Well, Platform knows that RFI 510 took place during these dates. Mm -hmm. It knows that I'm standing right there at grid intersection A1, mm -hmm. and it's right there filtering and saying, hey, these were all of the photos taken at intersection A1 mm -hmm. around this date and time. Mm -hmm. and so we'd like to associate that with the RFI that you're trying to figure out right now. And so in while the, you're standing out there on the corner with the AR mm -hmm. looking at it. While, while we're using metadata, the, the true power there is the ability to tag or associate rather than, yes. rather than yes. just searching through conventional file folders. So metadata, for those who don't know, is basically where you're able to just tag 
pieces of information in the same way that you can tag faces on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You could, all your photos would have as many different pieces of information as you wanted tagged to those photos in order to make it easier to search in many different ways. So it's like the Google, right? Well, in the same way that, again, when you post a picture Mm -hmm. that you took on your phone, it can say, uh, Mary took this picture in Kent, right? It'll give different, like, very broad location information. The data behind the data. Yes. Yeah. So so to your knowledge, does anything like that exist today? I I think that there are some platforms that have always been out there that can... um, have search functions mm-hmm. for you know like a vast pot of photos you can give parameters and it can search through those but I think where what I would like to see start to happen is is you know it be more interconnected right mm-hmm. interconnected with the geolocation mm-hmm. interconnected with um, a platform that we're utilizing to host construction administration mm-hmm. documents whether it be an RFI or a submittal or or anything of that nature. So, you know, again, back to that interconnectability mm-hmm. and everything's ability to be flexible. Yeah. So this you is... One of the biggest proprietary, we have proprietary and proprietary, and it's like, well, does your proprietary play well with others? Yeah. Because yeah. if not, you're making it kind of difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we reached out to you, I want to say it was at the beginning of the year, maybe late last year, and we we were looking for information or input on our form and basic training program. So it's the eight-week training program uh, that we put together, and we're hoping to roll out after COVID. Uh, but, one day. <laughs> but there's one key element that I wanted to touch on here with you today, uh, and that is the, the role of the foreman as it relates to technology and and how do you see the, the importance of technology uh, playing out with foreman of today and moving forward in the future? Yeah, yeah, okay, so bear with me here. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna answer this in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a big part of my role is coordination, quality control, mm-hmm. working with all parties, and, and all of that kind of occurs in, you know, our collaborative platform, which is the mall. And so the model informs a set of documents that we build from. And so, you know, we've kind of coined this term, you know, we're the digital superintendent. You know, that's, that's almost my role is that of a digital superintendent. Mm-hmm. I'm not a superintendent. I'm not out there in the field. However, my role demands that I actually am very well connected with the field. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you were to flip-flop that, that's no different than, you know, what, what a foreman looks like today. Mm-hmm. I mean, a foreman isn't just someone out there with a hammer and directing labor. Uh, foreman has an iPad. Uh, foreman, foreman has every tool that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the foremen are just going to become more and more uh, technology driven mm-hmm. um, simply because everything that we're doing on the office and coordination and design side is technology driven. Mm-hmm. You know, that technology, if it only serves to help one piece of the puzzle, it's, there's not a lot of value there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if that technology pushes all the information along each step of the entire process, you know, it, it helps in design, it helps in coordination, and now it helps in the field. And, um, you, you know, the foremen are going to be connected. They're going to be like robots out there. I, <laughs> <laughs> like cyborgs. Cyborgs, <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think it's important that, that we think about that in the sense that there are foremen who are really tech forward and really excited about this stuff, but we also have a lot of foremen who they can be the least, uh, they have the least amount of time to devote to like learning all this technology. So someone like you, Trevor, I can put something in your hands that you have to really be able to flip lots of buttons and switches and you can work it. But there is that question of as it goes all the way down to the field, are they going to be able to make sense of what to do with this? Yeah, and that falls on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. a GLY, that falls on me and my peers, mm-hmm. right? Not to just shovel something out there and say, hey, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, let me show you the value of this. Mm-hmm. You, do you really need to run all the way back to your trailer, boot up your computer, because I know it's not going, mm-hmm. yeah. and log in, and then fight with some connectivity issue to find this, when in fact, hey, right here, right now, you know, we're standing on this location, mm-hmm. 
let's pull open the model. Let's mm-hmm. look at the RFI associated with that. Let's talk together. So it, it's you've got to demonstrate the value, mm-hmm. and again, getting that buy-in, mm-hmm. right? So, so we, we do quite a bit of training with companies that have uh, English second language folks. And, and they speak very little English, and they speak a lot of Spanish uh, primarily. And uh, when we say, for example, we're teaching blueprint reading for those folks, the analogy that we use, kind of the angle that we come at it from is, I don't know Spanish, I know un pequeño, uh, I don't know Spanish as well as you do, and you don't know how to read prints as well as I do. And I use that as kind of a, to build a bridge to say, we need to, to learn the language of blueprints and, and use that as the vector uh, and get a tremendous amount of buy-in there. When we're talking about technology, it is very much its own language. It is very much the, the ability to learn tech and be comfortable with it and understand what you're looking at. And also, I think you, you touched on this earlier, being okay with getting it wrong, being okay with not knowing something because there can be overconfidence with construction folks. And I think learning new tech can be incredibly frustrating because you don't want to look weak. Uh, You don't want to look like you you don't know what you're doing, but you really have no clue what you're doing. And and, and baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Baby steps that we know are achievable and Mm -hmm. we can be successful at Mm -hmm. so that we build the confidence and we build that rapport with, hey, this is why we're doing it. There is value there and we want you to see that. So... setting it up to be successful well i think just thinking about it from that other perspective because there are many times when we're trying to come up with something we want to use here at arcade Mm -hmm. and i'll say no it's easy to use look and i live so much of the time in the tech world that i'll be like look you just hit this button hit this button flip over to this tab go over here on this right menu and click this and then you're there and jason's like like, stop i lost you (laughs) jason's like i'm not gonna do that and so you know i think the way that i do it now is like this and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always been a big challenge when I'm going to, if I want Jason to adopt something, and again, Jason is very tech savvy, but has no patience for it. If you don't make it easier, and this is what you were talking about earlier, if you don't make it easier for me, I don't care how cool it is, I'm not going to do it. And I think yeah. I mean, it it feels easy to you sometimes when you're very tech savvy and to realize that's not going to feel easy to someone else. Yeah. And it's, it's extremely important to be flexible and understanding when rolling this stuff out. I mean... I remember a scenario, this is a few years back, but you know, we were talking with a layout foreman who, you know, hey, we're gonna do coordinate points in a model and I'm gonna email you a CSV file that you're gonna upload into your gun. Yeah. And and, and, and this guy, he never had an email. And and of course he knows what an, an email is. An email like, address. Yes, yeah. He didn't have an email so address. So it's like, you, you know, we had to, we couldn't talk about models and coordinate points. We needed to drop back and talk about you know, email and, mm-hmm. and getting him an email and you know how this is going to come to you and what form. And, and if that doesn't work, I can be flexible and we can put it on a thumb drive and bring it out to your gun. And what's a thumb drive? <laughs> so, you know, we're just, we, we got to slowly go through the motions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you get there. And, and that's why, you know, I, I've already said it, but that's why it's so important little baby steps that are achievable and that we can be successful at. That's and we just start building on that. Yep, absolutely. So uh, any any last words, any last thoughts for folks that are listening? You know, it's I'm gonna end where I started. We're just, we are bombarded with this stuff. It's almost overwhelming, right? Um, so much new tech, so many new players, new partners, the teams are changing, right? The teams are growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to just slow it down, evaluate what the value is, um, important for me. And I think GLY, what's the human side of the tech and how does that interact and, and how does that really break down collaboration and teaming? Um, and just take it kind of one piece at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can't slow down tech, but we can kind of slow down the consumption of it as it comes out. And, and we like to do that through just the lens of value and, and the human side of things. And I think that's important. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate you stopping by, Trevor. Really uh, always love spending time with you. Uh, Thank yeah, thanks so much. Uh, to anyone who's still with us, sorry mm-hmm. for the audio issues we had at the beginning. That was 
a whole nother lesson in technology to have to fix something in the middle of the stream in that wasn't time. working. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so uh, we're going to uh, hang out with Trevor here for outtakes uh, and while we wax poetic on some uh, sci-fi tech, uh, some crazy <laughs> stuff, but that'll be available on the podcast for you. So you can find us can at www.thecriticalpathpodcast.com or you can find us at www.arcadewayfinding.com. Mm -hmm. uh, for folks who follow Builder Chat, this week we have a Thursday at 11 a.m. Builder Chat with Kabri Lerman-Schmidt and we're talking about suicide awareness and psychological safety, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, we can have people over for coffee if you're brave enough to come out to West Seattle Island. We'd love to see you. Brave the traffic, come visit. Watch for it. Watch for it. Well, and it was super helpful. You know, I said maybe nobody would watch the stream, mm -hmm. but it was super helpful that people were watching the yeah. stream because that's how we found out that your audio, when I, so after we talked about it, we we're like, turn it up. And then I went and checked, I put on some headphones, and there was zero audio from you. And it was my fault because I had to basically capture that into the stream. I thought it would just capture it from Zoom. It didn't. So I had to basically add an audio stream to capture that. And the point is, I was really glad someone let us know or that whole episode would have just been lost. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. So, so what about jetpacks? We're gonna get jetpacks on construction sites, you think? Or Whoa, just- what? Or, or just- <laughs> Why do you need it? For accessing the because floors. Cool. <laughs> That's not well, a. When I was a kid, I had this book, and it was a ch it was just a children's book, and it was called "This Is What Your Life Will Look Like in the 21st Century." Were jetpacks? I feel like yes, and it was like a robot <laughs> will bring you your breakfast every day, and it like told you all this stuff, and like now I'm like, where's my robot? Like, where's my hoverboard? <laughs> so jetpacks. Um, I'll tell you what, jetpacks. Um, <laughs> I have yet to see an exoskeleton on a job site. Oh yeah. W whether that just be um, a simple armature for bricklaying or for painting, um, or a simple armature that's hanging off of a lift, mm -hmm. uh, I have yet to see it, which doesn't mean anything, just means I haven't seen it. Yep. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting to see that. And I, I've seen exoskeletons, I've seen prototypes, I've seen products that do that, and what some of them even look like the alien exoskeleton. Oh, yeah. We right? talked to a guy who was the owner of like a brick company a that was telling company. a mason company that had uh, had got to test one and was talking about how cool it was and how much it was yeah. going to save everyone's back. And we've seen them and we've tested them and and um, we, you know just. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen so it in the wild. Seen any actual application yet. So. Yeah. Well, so if you see anything like that live in the wild, then let us know. We'd love to come take a look. Yeah. If, if any, if any of the listeners has any evidence of exoskeletons in the live, with bonus points, if you have like a phone video of it happening, love it. Then yeah, send it to us, and we'll yeah. put it out there in the you world. Know, 